Good evening. Uh, nice to be here. She didn't tell you all that much, did she? So I'm a philosopher, but I used to be an electronic engineer, and I worked as one for 15 years. So I have, I'm in the uncomfortable position that when I'm with philosophers, I'm an engineer, and when, when I'm with engineers, I'm a philosopher. <laughs> So I, uh, I would, you, know, you never know if you're scratching where it's itching or whether you're speaking to the on the right, you know, in the right way. So please let's uh, let's um, interact as much as possible. You know, if, if I if I'm going too slowly or too fast, so, um, help me. And so that we, you know, it's a very sort of square, formal little room, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you all have a glass of wine in the hand, and uh, so do I, and it will be okay. So, uh, I did, uh, as an engineer, uh, work on pattern recognition and, uh, uh, well, being interested in philosophy already, a little bit of artificial intelligence and these issues, and uh, started working on uh, uh, intelligent systems that actually work, like the brain, and uh, sort of this, this, this led to, a, to an interest in complexity, which is a theme that I've been working in for, what, 25 years now. So uh, I have a, a colleague who is a biochemist, Janni Hofmeier, and together the two of us, has a, we have a, a center for studies in complexity uh, at the University of Stellenbosch. So there is a, there is a resource there also to, to, to take note of. Um, so what I what I what I propose to do is to sort of talk about complexity in general a little bit, and then hopefully it engages you in a, in a way so that you can reflect on your own problems and own issues, and that we sort of slowly turn it into more of a more of a discussion. Uh, in a in in a traditional sort of scientific presentation. When I am going to talk about complexity, I should start off by giving you a definition of what complexity is. But I'm not going to. And I suspect you can see why not. Uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> no? it has to do with a, with a notion, definition. You know, because what does a definition do? If it reduces, it converges, it focuses. It, uh, and so you can see there's a certain tension already in the just talking about complexity, you know, defining it, saying what it is. But it's not a tension that, 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 that leaves us in mid-air. There are lots of things, substantial things we can say about complexity, uh, but always, it's always a little bit uncomfortable. So instead of... of um, of defining it, and there are, in certain contexts, there are definitions of complexity. There are mathematical definitions, there are computational definitions, algorithmic definitions, in terms of the length of programs, Chaitin's work. So there are many attempts, but I want to, to engage with the notion in a slightly more general way. So in order to do that, what I, what I, what, what I prefer is a number of distinctions and some characteristics, so that instead of defining it in some sort of crisp analytical way, 
you build up a network of notions that, that from which uh, some sort of understanding of what the notion means can emerge. So, um, um, a good point to start is to make a distinction between complex and complicated. So, something can be very complicated, but we can, we, in principle, we can understand it. We can take it apart and put it back together again and know how it works. So, so you know, something like a jumbo jet. Maybe no single person understands a whole jumbo jet, but in principle, it is understandable. Uh, when something is complex, we say it has a complex system has properties that you cannot uh, predict by looking at the components of the system. So there are properties that arise because of the relationship between the components in the system uh, that, uh, that are not reducible to the components themselves. Now, uh, the example I usually use of a jumbo jet is complicated, but mayonnaise is complex. <laughs> if you look at, at egg and oil, you don't see mayonnaise. Have you ever made mayonnaise? I mean, it, it is a rather exciting activity. We just buy the stuff in a bottle. But to make it from scratch, in the first place, it's not easy. And, you know, what you, what you see before your eyes, is some, you have these things you know, and it turns into something completely different. So, the, this... This is what we call emergent properties. So a complex system has emergent properties which are not reducible to the components. Uh, so, uh, what would examples of emergent, pro other examples of emergent properties? Consciousness as an emergent property of a bunch of neurons. Uh, meaning as an emergent property of a set of words related in a certain way. Uh, if you think of the economic system, which is just pushing money around, uh, it's something like inflation, you know, or GDP, or interest rate. Or all these things are emergent properties of a, of a system of, of interaction. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, the emergent properties are, are problematic things and difficult things. and not so easy to deal with. So, in that sense, maybe mayonnaise is not the best example. Because if you understand uh, the science of emulsification, and, you know, then you can sort of work it out and you know what it is. Uh, and maybe many of these emergent properties we, we know, uh, it's just, we could argue just because of a lack of knowledge. If we, under, if we understand it better, then it will, well, then the system will just be very complicated, not complex. So, yeah, and so, um, is complexity just a function of our understanding of the system, or is the characteristic of the system itself? Are there things that are irreducibly complex? And uh, so that's an open question. Uh, what is interesting, too, is that things that may seem quite simple, once you start dealing with them in, in detail, suddenly they become more complex than you thought they were. So you say a rabbit is more complex than a rock, Intrinsically independent of my description of it, but rocks can be quite complex things when you, when, when, you, when you have to deal with them in certain ways. So this notion of emergence is not, a, is, is not an easy, it may be our understanding. Some people don't like the notion of emergence because they say it's sort of, sort of mystical, it's a word for, for just I don't know. <clears throat> uh, but at this stage, given our knowledge, given that we are human beings with finite time, 
uh, and finite capacities, I think there are certainly things that are, uh, for us, uh, irreducibly complex and really emergent. Uh, you know, if you talk to, uh, to biologists, they will tell you that um, uh, despite all the progress and all the, 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 the definitions, we really don't know what life is. So life is, is one, of the, one of those prime examples of, uh, of an emergent property. You have a number of co- constituents that we understand better and better, and some of it quite well, uh, but still there's, there's, there's something elusive about this idea of what is life. And that, if you look, that it's a very good example of, of, um, of the difficulty of dealing with complex things. The traditional way of dealing with, with a complex system, as engineers we all know what we do. We subdivide it into subsystems that are less complex. Uh, it's called analysis, huh? the analytic method. It's the standard method in science. Divide, and then once you've done that, you you you, you synthesize. You put it back together again, and now you know what is going on. But you can see this is a little bit problematic if you're dealing with emergent properties, because what happens if you analyze? Huh? Subdivide the system. The emergent property disappears. Disappears. Now, so if you, I want to study life, so I take a living t- thing and I cut it up <laughs> into system. Well, life is gone. Does it come back when I put them back together again? No, normally not. So, so, so there's a dilemma here that I say. If you want to deal with something in its complexity, there's just too much. You, know, I, you just say, this thing is alive, and there's millions of cells and things interacting. Uh, so I, mean, I have to simplify it in order to be able to say something about it. But as soon as I do that, I disturb the system in some fu- fundamental way so that, that, that it's not the same system anymore. And I think it is exactly in this dilemma that... Um, that an acknowledgement of complexity sits, and that's, that is something that we have to do because we all deal with complex systems in some way or another all the time. Okay, so I've been using the word system as, a, as if we all know what it is. It is uh, in itself a problematic notion, but... Uh, <laughs> you see, I'm not going to explain anything to you. I'm just going to give you more problems. Uh, but I think... Hmm? But I think the notion of system, the acknowledgement of the notion of system is, is, is vitally important. It, 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 it already implies a shift away from some kind of atomistic thinking to some kind of relational thinking, where there's a process with relationships. I'll get back to that. So the notion of system is important. I also think the notion of network is important. I find the notion of network uh, a very uh, useful metaphor to think about complex systems. Um, systems theory, traditional classical systems theory likes to work with feedback systems. So if we, if, we, if, we, if we think in that way, we tend to think of just sort of black boxes with inputs and outputs and feedbacks and control engineers like to solve that, those problems and they're good at it. But I don't think that's really an, uh, 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 a strong enough metaphor for, for how systems work. Um, so I, 
to think in terms of a network, a network not like a, a fishing net with sort of square, square matrix, but uh, lots of nodes interact, interacting, multidimensional, uh, where it is difficult to talk about sort of the limits, the ends of the network, and I'll get to that again in a, in a, in a, in a little bit. I just want to make sure that if we think of a sort of uh, uh, network theory, sort of lots of nodes interacting, then uh, this is not the same as, as a, a, something that is random or chaotic. So a network which is interacting and connected, these networks have structure. Uh, it's, it's not so easy to pin down the structure, but it is not random or chaotic. And uh, we'll get back to that in a moment. Uh, so what I, what I tend to work with is a number of characteristics of these complex systems. And as you know, if we want to talk about complexity, we, we should spend, uh, I don't know what, a week, a month, a year. We have ten minutes, so, <laughs> so uh, I, I'll run through them quickly. And then, uh, then we'll see how it, if, 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 if you want to pick up on any, on any of these themes. So, uh, a system, a complex system, consists of, uh, components where the complexity, the complexity is not in the components, but in, but in their relationship. So the, the, the components, uh, can be simple, but, but you still have a complex system. Depending on how you define your system, the components can be complex too. If you have a, if you have a social, model a social network, and you say the components are human beings, for, of course they are complex. It's, it's a system in itself. So it also, it, it depends a little bit on your description, you have to be careful. But the central point is the complexity need not reside in the components themselves. The complexity is a result of the process of interaction. So there is, these components are therefore connected, they interact, they interact dynamically, which means the interaction between them changes. Uh, the interaction is quite rich, and uh, when it is, many of these things are much easier for me to explain in this context than in, when I have to talk to social scientists. The idea of, of, of a combinatorial explosion, where you have, even if something is sparsely connected, but it's connected to a few of them and very quickly things are, are richly connected. So if you have a network, and there are just some components which are richly connected. You, everything is connected to everything else fairly quickly. Um, the central uh, the argument, some, something on which a, um, a lot of my... Um, a lot of my conclusions or implications um, uh, rest on is, is, is the fact that the interactions between the components in the system uh, are nonlinear. Now you know what nonlinearity is, so I don't have to work too hard tonight. So, two characteristics of nonlinearity uh, is, is, is the, the nonlinear relationship between cause and effect. So, small causes can have large effects but also the other way around. All small causes can have small effects. But the relationship between cause and effect is not linear. The second, and this is a, a very important one, is the fact that if you have a nonlinear system, now you have to think it's not just a, a one, or, one or two nonlinear things following on each other. It's a network of nonlinear relationships. Um, with, uh, 
if these relationships are nonlinear, it means that the law of superposition doesn't hold, uh, which means you cannot simplify the network. If they were linear relationships, you can, can compress it. If it's, if it's nonlinear, you cannot compress it without losing something. So that is the, that is the key one. Uh, so components interact, so influences flow through the network, but but they are changed as it mediated as the as the interactions, the influences are mediated by other components in the system. Not only is, is there mediation, uh, but there's lots of feedback because it's a network, uh, and it's not feedback like the control system, control systems little model likes to show. There's multiple feedback. There are short feedback loops and long feedback loops and you know, feedback from all sorts of... So, it's, it's a, so you get the idea now. It's, it's uh, a lot of simultaneous nonlinear interaction with feedback. And it's a, you know, it's a quagmire. <laughs> uh, so... We, how do you deal with it? So, let's just add a few other characteristics. Complex systems are open systems. They interact with their environment in such a way that, that you cannot really say much about the system without also saying something about the environment at the same time. Uh, they have to interact. Uh, I think uh, closed systems can at most be complicated. Uh, uh, actually, very few examples of really closed systems. Um, maybe a, a chemical reaction in a thermos flask or something like that. But uh, syst- the, uh, um, systems interact with their environment. In order to have a complex structure, they need they have to be they, energy has to flow through the system. That's why we also say that the systems operate under conditions far from equilibrium in the sense that they need energy in order to to well to fight against the second law of thermodynamics. Uh, so this is the points made by Prigogine for this, is a, this, this, this notion. The notion of equilibrium is, of course, a difficult one. Uh, economists like to use the notion in, in a slightly different way, and we sh- one should not confuse equilibrium with stability. A, s- a system can be stable and not in equilibrium. Uh, if, uh, if a system is really in equilibrium, it can only be, there's only one word to describe it really. Yeah. It is dead. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so complex systems are also systems that, that uh, because they are dynamic, there's a flow of energy, they interact with their environments, so they are temporal in nature. They, they, they exist in time. They cannot be frozen. They're not like Newtonian things that, that are reversible in time. So, so the history of a system is important. Previous states are, are part of, of, of what the system is now and part of what, how the system will look in future. I'm sorry if this is all too abstract. You, know, I, uh, you should sort of think, you know, you, 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 I'm sure you're thinking of something that you know and seeing, seeing what I'm saying makes sense. Yes. <laughs> nah, that's simple. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, it's a, it's a very good example for more than one reason. 
if you go back to where we started, if we think of complex systems, it consists of many components. And then we tend to think that complexity is a function of quantity. There are many components it must be. That's not the point. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a function of the relationships. So you can have a system with few components that is very complex, like marriage. <laughs> and let me just say, I know of no marriage that consists only of two components. <laughs> there are often children and usually parents <laughs> and in-laws. And, uh, so it's a, it's, it's a, it's a little system um, and, uh, and, uh, and highly nonlinear. And it has emergent properties. <laughs> <laughs> But not completely unpredictable. You know, after, after a while, there are also, also certain patterns that you recognize. So that's when... Not, not, not in a deterministic way, but you can make an educated guess. Yeah. And that, exactly, but this is an important point, because this is where we come in, that try to understand and model these systems. They are complex, but they have structures, and there are certain things that you can say something about, that you can do, that you recognize, that is repeatable, but at the same time, you should be careful about it, because you, you may also be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Something like um, Conway's Game of Life, which is, uh, not Conway's Game of Life, yeah. there's only three rules, and uh, this. it's still new. Okay, so, we're, so whether that is complex or complicated is, a, is an interesting question. So, uh, uh, um, but, but on, on, on the first level, yes. So, so uh, cellular automata and that, that, those kind of things, you can say have, have emergent properties. The problem, the problem is that they, that they are fairly repeatable. You know, if, you, if you do it exactly the same, you get exactly the same pattern again. Whereas, because there are usually few components uh, and few rules, but if you have a system with, a, with an environment and the changes and the then what worked today is not necessarily going to work tomorrow, as you seem to know. <laughs> okay, so the last, the last point here is just to say that if you have a network that has complex behavior, uh, sort of an economic system or a marriage or an ecosystem, uh, then uh, uh, the, the complexity is not situated somewhere in the network. The complexity is distributed over the network. So no single component in the system has access to all the complexity. Um, this is an important point to, 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 to realize because um, it means that when we deal with complexity, especially when we're part of, of the system, then, then we, we only have access to a certain amount of it, to sort of local information in a certain sense. But local is not, is not meant in a spatial sense, uh, but just the things that I do have access to. So, this idea of, distribu of, of, of distribution, this is also part of the emergence argument. In philosophy, there's the, uh, oh, uh, there's this idea, where's your little, the middle one? The, oh yeah, there you go. The idea of a homunculus, it's a sort of old philosophical trick. But if you try to understand you know, how does a human being work, how does the brain work, well, there's a little man inside. You know? It was always a little man uh, sitting inside that does all the work. So you shift the properties of the system to some sort of essential component that sits there. You know, Descartes talked about the relationship between body and mind. 
had a it's very but if you had to find a place for it. It was in the pituitary gland. You know, there it sits. So this is the idea that there must be some essence somewhere. Complexity denies that. He says there isn't some essential component inside. The characteristics of a system is exactly sort of a result of the spreading out of, 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 of everything. All right. So that gives you some sort of understanding of uh, uh, some of the characteristics. And I said these have a number of consequences. So the nonlinearity, you cannot compress complexity. It's irreducible. Or you cannot compress it without losing something. Without introducing some kind of errors. These are still the sort of philosophical, grand, general, abstract arguments. We'll deal with them a little bit more. So, <clears throat> the fact that, that you have this sort of network of interactions with emergent properties is not, does not deny causality. So, the properties of the network are causal, but, it, it's, but it's because of little micro-causes interacting all the time. It's much more difficult to identify some sort of grand cause and some grand outcome. You, ha- you have things that are still deterministic, or are still causal, but not in, the, in a deterministic way that you can stand back and, and trace these causes through the system. There's just too much going on. Uh, if a system is incompressible, you cannot describe the system precisely in terms of a number of features, of specific limited rules, a set of features. You'll see we do that, but the argument is that that cannot capture the complexity of the system. Despite all that, we say uh, the complex system is not chaotic, it's not arbitrary, it has structure. So for those of you who know something about it, I make a, 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 a rather strong distinction between chaos theory and complexity theory. So some of, uh, some of the traditions in complexity theory grew out of chaos theory, but chaos theory is still a de- deterministic form of thinking about things. There are constants, uh, uh, universal, the Feigenbaum's universals, and all, all sorts of things in there that is not, it's not quite what, I, what, 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 what we mean when we talk about Complexity. So that's a, a whole thing, theme in itself. Okay. So, so this is the sort of critical part, breaking it open, saying something about how difficult this problem is that we deal, have to deal with when we deal with complex systems, which you have to deal with all the time. Uh, now, given the, given the, uh, the theme, I thought, in this context, may be interesting to, to say a little bit about boundaries. How do we, how do we uh, think of a system? So we said complex systems are open systems. But, at this, but this means that... I mean, let me just think of a slightly less abstract story for a moment, if you... If you want to model the economic, economic some, 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 some aspects of the economic system in the Western Cape, uh, do I have to model the weather in Brisbane? <laughs> well, you see, in a certain sense, it sounds like this is too far away. It's got nothing to do here. But, but if, if you start just unpacking the problem a little bit, if I, have, if I model the economic system... Do I have to model the agricultural system? Of course I have to. If I model the agricultural system, do I have to model 
other agricultural systems that this agricultural system interact with? Of course I have to. If I model agricultural systems, do I have to model the weather? Of course I have to. So what do I have to model if I want to model any, anything that's complex? Really? I have to model the universe. Huh? So if you really want to model anything, you have to model the universe. The universe is already a very good model of itself. Huh? <laughs> the universe is already a very good model of itself. <laughs> it's the only one we have, yeah. So, so that, is, um, that is the radical part of the problem. But, but still, if we, talk about, we can talk about, uh, about, about systems that are more specific. I mean, I can talk about me or you as a system. Uh, and, and that means we can distinguish between what is part of that system and what is not part of that system. Otherwise, we can't use the word system at all. So the notion system presupposes some, some, some sort of idea of what belongs to it and what does not belong to it. So in that sense, systems do have boundaries, even if they are open. So, so, how, so, so how do we, uh, how do we, Think of boundaries if we have this sort of this double na- this double nature. Yeah, the one at the one on the one hand it is operationally closed so that we can talk of the system. At the other hand, it's open and it interacts with anything, everything else. So uh, I think I, what I propose is that we sh- we shift this thinking about boundaries in a sl- slightly different direction and say that that the boundary of a system. It's not just confining in closing it off, it is enabling. The boundary is necessary for the system to be what it is. It is not only, it's, you know, it's bad news and good news at the same time. So, uh, it is, uh, it, so I think of the eardrum. The eardrum is the boundary between the brain and the outside world. But it exists in order to let sound through. But more than that, if it wasn't there, the sound wouldn't be able to go through. So the boundary which separates the brain from the outside world is actually the thing that enables you to engage with the outside world. So it's, it's, uh, it's, we should not think of, uh, of, of, of boundaries as negative things or as, as, as sort of delineating between one thing and another but actually as a form of interaction. Uh, what that says about the modeling problem, I think, is it's difficult, but, but I'll, I'll say something about that uh, again. So, so again, this is an argument for, for structure, that boundaries and systems have structure, and, uh, uh, and, and, and that structure is enabling that you need structure for interesting behavior to happen. I like the example of, of music. If you, if you think of... Um, if, if, if we would have a piece of music in which there is total freedom, we all perform a piece of music together, and everybody can do just what they want to. Give free expression to it. What would happen? <laughs> It, it's noise, huh? And if we repeat the exercise tomorrow, will it sound any different? It will be, it, 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 you know, it will still be noise. Although, although if we if we have a certain bit, a bit of structure, you know, there's a score or there's something 
but you, but, but you still have to express it in a certain way. That structure turns noise into music. So we need structure you know, for certain things to happen. If you think of yourself, you're a complex system. But uh, you wake up in the morning with your arms more or less in the same place. Now, this is not a coincidence. This is important because it enables you to do things. You know, if, you, if you were not sure whether you were going to have hands tomorrow or not, then you, know, you wouldn't be able to you know, continue to exist to do interesting things. So this being in time, the idea of boundaries, the structure is enabling. So that you're beginning to see the good news. There are patterns and structures that we can also get at, even though these patterns and structures are complex. Where is the boundary? That's another type of question we want to ask. Is, is there a boundary here, and an inside and an outside? That's the simple way. That's the sort of control engineering way again. Uh, but if you think of a network, sort of a network of interactions, and if if every component in that network is connected to every other component in that network, where is the boundary? So we tend to think of it. Now, there are some components on the boundary, and there are some components safely in the middle that's far away from the boundary. But if everything is connected to everything else, then everything is on the boundary. Then the boundary is not out there. The boundary is folded into the systems. We're never far away from the boundary when we are dealing with things that are richly interconnected. Let's skip hierarchies. Let's not talk. So, uh, to wrap up a little bit, uh, let's not be, go too philosophical. Let's talk a little bit about the relationship between knowledge, our understanding of complex systems, and, 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 and the system. So, if we say that, that uh, uh, part of dealing with a complex system is somehow to to define its boundaries in such a way that I can make it manageable, then I'm including and excluding certain things. So, if I want to talk about a complex system, I cannot, cannot talk about it in its complexity. I cannot talk about all the millions of things at the same time. I pick out certain features. So, what do I do when we talk about complexity? In order to be able to talk about them, we reduce the complexity. We have to. Otherwise, we can't say anything. But what do we know now? If we reduce the complexity, there, there, there are problems. Huh? So, here is a, prof- is a pro- quite profound little philosophical m- moment here. Huh? So, in order to have knowledge, we have to reduce the complexity, and this introduces an error. Thus, our knowledge of complex systems are per definition flawed. No? Now, this sounds like, like terrible news, as, as if, uh, if we can't get it right. But if it is like that, well, and we acknowledge it, then it puts us in another mode. It's like, the guy said, since I gave up hope, I felt much better. <laughs> so now we can engage with these systems again, but we engage with them in a slightly different way. Now we know that the models we make are problematic. Or not problematic, but limited. They are not perfect. And if we know that, we will go about developing, developing them in a different way, and we will go about using them in a different way. And it is, it is exactly at this point that some sort of ethics starts to creep into the argument. 
if we know that on, on our models are, are somehow flawed, not necessarily badly flawed, though some of them can be quite good, um, if we know, but if we know that there could be a problem, and what, what do we know about this problem? Not, not what it is, but we, have, we know some of its characteristics. The, the, these things that we are not considering that we are leaving out, that are related to the system in a non-linear way. Which means, even though they look small, under certain conditions, they may have large effects. If we know that, I, I say that we will, we will model with a certain modesty. We will not claim neutrality or objectivity or cleverness or maybe some wisdom. Yeah? In the sense that you model, this is no argument against hard work. So you do all the hard work you can, all the calculation you can, collecting all the data you can, but you know you're not going to get it perfect. So you offer your model with a certain modesty, and with that, the most important part of this modesty is that you're also willing to revise the model. So, so provisionality, the revisability of the model becomes part of the modeling process right from the start. Not when you find out it's not going to work, because you know it's not going to work under certain conditions. So, so this, 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 I think this, 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 uh, this sort of inaugurates a, a shift in attitude in how we do science. This is not an excuse for bad science. This is not an argument for relativism. Anything goes. This is just as good as that. That's not the point. Systems have patterns. We recognize them. They survive. Most of them are quite robust. But we do not have the methods to, to, to reduce these character, the characteristics of our system to a number of simple principles that we can stick into an algorithm and there it goes. Okay. So let's just summarize this idea on modeling because this may be something that many of you will be interested in. We model all the time. So not only mathematical models or computational models, but if I write a narrative description, it's a model. If I write a novel... It's a model of, of, of something. And all these models reduce the complexity of that which they deal with. So, otherwise it's not a model. Then you can figure it out. So, you have a very complex system. In order to understand it, we model it. If we model it with a model which, is, which contains all the complexity of the system, what's the problem? Now, it's just as difficult to understand the model as it was to understand the system. And you don't even know if this model is tracking the system, because you have to know all the complexity in order to see that. Is it still, you know, does it have the same inputs? So there's a nice little engineering um, uh, move I think one should make here. It is much better to use simple models that you understand and know when to stop using and when not to use, than try to build a complex model which you do not understand. So if this provisionality, this sort of modesty, means doesn't mean you shouldn't model. That doesn't mean you should have a model that is, contains all the complexity. It means you should acknowledge the complexity and let that inform you in the way in which you deal with what you're dealing with. Whether you are you know, building a dam or whether you, want to, whether you want to describe quantum physics or whatever, biological systems managerial systems, economic systems, the same, I suppose, the same kind of argument goes all the time. So, 
that means that our models also have, must, should have this idea, this, this characteristic of provisionality, of, of revising them as in time, as conditions change, as the context changes, as our knowledge shifts. Uh, and it sounds, it sounds straightforward, but we are not like that. We fall in love with our models. And then, and then after a while, the world has to fit the model. Yeah, because this is really a very cute model, and I've spent 20 years developing it. So, so whether, you're a, whether you're an engineer or a scientist or a politician, the same argument holds. So I simply to say, I was wrong. This model is wrong. I must try something else. You don't hear that often, especially not from politicians. <laughs> so I'm making life a little bit easier for you. It's going to be wrong anyway. We know that. So you can relax a little bit and not cling to some kind of pride. This is no argument for laziness or sloppy work. You do it properly. But to say, I have to shift or change or adapt here, is a sign of maturity, not a sign of failure. Okay. So, uh, we've said most of these things. Uh, So, this idea of provisionality, I would say, involves a certain ethics. If we cannot model it perfectly, we make certain choices in terms of where the boundaries are, what we're going to involve, and what we're not going to involve. We don't have an algorithm for doing that. There's not a place where we can go and find the correct framework. Because then at that place, we would have had to have access to all the complexity. So there is always an element of choice when we model. And that choice involves involves values, and it involves something that cannot be reduced to calculation. Which means that some sort of normative ethical component is part of the process of gaining knowledge in the first place. It is not as if we have knowledge and systems all rationally worked out, and then we have to apply it ethically. That too, but it's more radical. There is a certain sense in which... Uh, the ethics becomes constitutive. It's part of how we, get, how we get to know things in the first place. I am the kind of person that looks at the world in a certain way. Uh, and my science is not independent of that. It's part of it. Uh, and in this, pl- in this way, if we do this, um, I think it may also be uh, an opportunity to, to, to incorporate more of our humanity into science, also science into humanity, but to recognize that even as scientists we are human, not just rational machines. And if we do that, then it may shift some of the aspects of science that's really problematic at the moment. If we, start, if we look at the world and the state of the world, and I don't blame scientists for it, or not only scientists, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, engineers, politicians, philosophers, all of them. Um, if, we, if, we, if we recognize this human component in the way in which we construct knowledge, we may be a little bit more careful so that we, so that we do not blame our models if things go wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, that was a mouthful. I'm sure there are things you want to take up with me. And I'm in no hurry, but I'm sure you want to continue drinking too, so.
Mm. Yes, although although uh, uh, I think this goes much further than Popper would would because uh, uh, this is philosophy of science stuff. You see, if, uh, Popper says we, something doesn't have meaning if it's not falsifiable, but it's false. Then it's, once it's falsified, we can get rid of it. And in that sense, we have a convergent notion of truth. So eventually, we will arrive at the truth. I'm not so sure that that's the case. On the one hand, uh, because the system is dynamic. So I do not like the notion of truth, which Popper still has to hang on to. I like the notion of dynamic truth, truth with a small t, not with a big t, that 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 are useful and and where we can use the notion true quite easily, but 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 not never as a way to fix the system. The other problem with Popper is the idea of falsifiability. To prove something wrong, what criteria do you use to prove something wrong? So the criteria for proving something wrong, according to Popper, they are objective. So he's just inverting sort of an old kind of of positivist reductionism. And if you look at scientific theories that changed the world, most of them were completely falsifiable at the moment they were presented. When Descartes presented his system, it was much worse than the Ptolemaic system. It should have been falsified. But you sort of now see. I'm contradicting myself. What, what, what are you? What, what, what do you do? You hang on to your theory for a while. If I said you should, we should not fall in love with our theories, it also doesn't mean you should discard them too quickly. There is a, there is a certain rhythm in it, sort of a pattern. So I, I've done some work on the idea of slowness. You should hang on to it for a while. You have to sort of cuddle it a little bit. <laughs> But then at some stage, uh, let's, let's take a good look. <laughs> uh, but if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're too critical, you never get anything going. And if you're not critical enough, then you hang on to, your, to, to, to all your old bad dreams. So, 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 and I, and so, so yes, there is something of the spirit of Popper in this idea, but in the detail there are also some differences. Well, somebody else has to answer that. I, don't, uh, I, uh, I haven't done that stuff for 20 years. So. <laughs> But yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, iterative, provisional. Yeah. And if I know I didn't understand everything when I started, I will also be willing to shift and change and adapt as we go along. Yeah. So in a sense, I think you know, this whole story is sort of a sort of a criticism against a certain style of thinking. It's not saying that no, nobody's got it right yet. I think many, many, many good scientists, even if they don't uh, um, formulate it like this, know this. Uh, I I remember the the, the first time I stepped into a into a into an electronics lab after finishing my studies. The chief of the lab said, "Young man, electronics, you know the story. Electronics is 10% calculation and 90% fiddling around." So, so they know that you know that, that's, that you can't reduce it to some sort of pure form of knowledge that you must have in a pristine way and then apply it. It's a, it's it's a, it's messy, and I think it's this acknowledgement of messiness that engineers know, in a certain extent, perhaps I don't know, who we insult physicists, <laughs> whatever. So, but 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 this idea, this 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 idea that I have to do and look and do and look and do and, and sort of develop a solution. I think it's, it's, it's not unnatural to engineers, except that sometimes you, you wish to have this, to, to compare yourself to this icon of science, of pure knowledge, and, I, and we are not 
But we are not secondary, you know, we are also scientists. And then you measure yourself against something that is not necessary to measure yourself against. Uh, uh, if you look at the history of philosophy, I think you can trace the, the, this problematic back right to its, to its roots. There's always been those who think in terms of essences and those who think, those who think in terms of relationships and systems. And you get it right at the start. Plato was an idealist, and sort of things existed purely in some sort of abstract world, whereas Aristotle said we live in the mess of this world and we, have, we, we get to know what we know through interaction and education. So right at the root of philosophy you have this. And you can trace this, you know, Kant was an abstract uh, thinker, Hegel was a systems thinker. They all have their problems because Hegel in the end is all, he is also, in the end you get it right, like Popper, um, so, 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 there are, so you can trace this, this, this tradition. So I link philosophically with, uh, with a number of with positions. Some of them are called postmodern. Uh, I don't like the word and I don't use it often. As opposed to analytical philosophy. So, yeah? so I, I say these, the, these positions are more sensitive to, to the complexity of, of the phenomenon. I, I can provide reasons but at the same time, you can also give, because what I try to do in, 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 and what I, in the way in which I unpack this is not to make, not to, to uh, uh, use any sort of mystical notions or, you know, or weirdness. Huh? It's, it's try to just do it fairly logically and, the, and through the logical argument arrive at, a, at, at in this difficult place. Uh, and, uh, in that sense, I think it is a way of giving substance to some, to some forms of philosophy that people find a bit weird and way out. So I don't think, it, yeah, it's not, on, on, the, on the one hand, it's not new at all. On the, on the other hand, nothing is new. No, I'm, I'm employing a number of philosophical ideas that have been around for a while in a new configuration so that some new understanding can emerge. I mean, it's also, you know, when you ask, are you doing it? Yeah? Who is this you? It's a complex thing, this. Yeah? It's, not, it's not me that is doing it. I'm part of a process in, in interaction with others that, try to, that gathers ideas in a certain way that, 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 that there is a new understanding emerging. And I think, well, at least people of my generation will recognize that things are, there, there are different possibilities now. Than, than, than 20, 30 years ago, when things were still, science was still fairly rigid. Here, in Cozy, I think, is an example. Maybe they are not there yet, I don't know. But at least it's, uh, they're worried about something. If you think of the green movement, I know in the 70s, green, green politicians were terrorists, and they were bad, and they were, now they are part of, the, of, of government. So there are shifts and changes, and I think it's a matter of deciding of what am I a part Am I a, a part of those things that are of, you know, of some kind of system that is concerned? That things, you know, uh, you know, global warming, collapse of the economic system, these are issues that we should think about. Poverty, uh, or are you one of those that says, look, man, got to work hard, earn a good salary and drive a nice car. So I think you position yourself in all sorts of ways in what am I part of and what am I not part of as opposed to some sort of crisp, clear thinking, this is what I am, this is what I'm doing. I think this is sort of an emergent thing. 
And, I, and, and this is the ethics again. We should be a little bit worried about what am I part of, whom am I relating with, who are my friends, uh, what are the things that are important to me. You should reflect on them now and then. And maybe you can't change all of it that, like that, but you can sort of start shifting a little bit. And maybe the world will be a better place because of it. <laughs> it depends what you mean with science. Uh, if you mean understanding, Science is a collection of knowledge, as human beings understanding the world. I wouldn't call it subjectivity, but sort of um, an acknowledgement of, of, of human elements. Uh, I think that, 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 that is important. I don't think human beings construct the world. You know, the, the world carries on in, in, in some way. So I'm not a constructivist, uh, in, in the sense that my thinking about the world makes it what it is. It's not in that sense but in the sense that I'm sort of part of the process and my understanding is not a simple mirror reflection, but it's an interpretation, I think that, 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 that is becoming part of, 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 of some sciences. And, and, uh, um, it, so in the other part of the question, what is science, I think what, you can also ask, what, what are the defining sciences uh, at a certain moment in history? If you look at philosophy of science, you know, the examples they've, they've used, Popper and Kuhn and Feyerabend, it's all examples from physics. Whereas in, in, a, in an age where we are uh, acknowledging complexity, the examples are more and more from the biological sciences and the life sciences. Uh, hmm? According to some. So you have a difference between purely empirical sciences that are just collecting data or theoreticians that are trying to understand it. So stamp collecting is not quite the, the, the right... Distinction to make. When I say biological science, I don't know what I mean. Standard collection. I'm asking about about problems of life, origin of life, um, of uh, evolution, of change, of of how does you know how are we affecting the biosphere and and, and, and those issues. Uh, <laughs> well, if you see, if we if we say we talked about, we talked about models, we have to reduce a little bit. So so in a sense. The whole, the whole complexity position is an argument against reductionism. And then in the end, sort of half guiltily, we have to acknowledge that, that we still do it. But it's not the same, because we, we do it in a different way. You, you, you do it reluctantly, or you do it self-consciously. Yeah. And you do not claim an objective truth as a result of your reductions. And you claim a sort of a necessary, necessary sort of move that you cannot avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, even earlier, but yes. Well, I don't know. But we do model complex systems. Um, we do predict the weather. And it's getting better. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good, but it's better than it was 20 years ago. So, I mean, we do model. Um, uh, it's not that... But uh, I don't know. I, mean, I agree with you on one level, but on the other hand, I do not agree that we cannot model. In a certain sense, modeling is what we do all the time. Like, I'm sort of trying to model your question. You know? I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> figure out... You know, I'm not being facetious. You know, it's, 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 I'm trying to frame it and see what it means and where it fits in. You know, so so if, otherwise, I, I just say yes or no, you know, and then we don't get anywhere. So, so our engagement with the world is a, sort, of a, sort of a modeling activity all the time. <laughs> You see, the, the, the boundary is always related to the 
kind of question you're asking, or the strategy of the modeling. Uh, so, um, if I, if I mean, if I want to model you, you know, where do I draw the boundary? You know, at your skin? Well, that is, might be useful for some descriptions, but not, you know, maybe some, some sort of physiological model of you or so. But it's certainly not adequate for a psychological model of you. And even the physical one is, is problematic. Where does your brain end? At your skull? You've seen these, these sort of brain experiments where they, where they, the split brain, where they cut the corpse colossum so it's two halves are separate so you, you can, you can recognize something but you can't say the word. But if you just put the thing in the other hand, you can. So you so your hand becomes part of your brain. So these, diff, under different contexts, the boundaries are different. So, so what you should do when you model or explain something is the conditions which enabled that explanation should come with the model all the time. Uh, and uh, so you, you can be quite specific about something and model it quite precisely given the sort of, I don't know, physics would say initial conditions, but it's, it's, not, it's not like that. It's, it, it's exactly the choices you've made in terms of how you, how you frame the system. So it's not as if the frame is more or less here and it sort of can be a little bit like that. It can be quite radically different if you, if you have a, a different strategy with your model. So, so this is part of the provisionality argument, that if, when we claim something, it's always related to a certain strategy, which is also not crisp in any final way, so, so that we have to revise and change and, and, and adapt, but still say something quite precise. And, sorry, I, mean, I can talk about this for years. Um, so if we, the acknowledgement of complexity does not mean that you say something vague, sort of more or less. No, no, you say something crisp. It can be understood, otherwise there's no, no point in saying it. But it's revisable. The fact that it's revisable doesn't mean that it's vague or relative. It just means you have something that's understandable that can be replaced with something that is understandable. For, a, for as long as there are snacks. So thank you so much for um, coming tonight. I really enjoyed it. So thanks a lot.